Uh, Girl, what are you doing? I'm doing voice exercises. Oh my gosh. podcast promotes love happiness and abundance through storytelling and sisterhood they encourage self-love a balanced worth ethic and a healthy life this is ozi and caro and thank you so much for listening to the you and i podcast Hey guys, welcome back to the You and I podcast. We are back at it again. And we're here with our last episode of the Mental Health File. It's crazy because I was literally on my Instagram and I was looking at our posts and the creative file was just a couple weeks ago. And I don't know, it feels like it's much longer, but it's not. It's just, I'm in a weird, I'm in a weird mental space right now, but before we jump into the main segment of this podcast episode, which is us talking to some of our families and friends about the situation about being black in predominantly black areas and like the mental health and how people are surviving when it comes to hashtag NSARS and police brutality in the Bahamas. So we brought on Janice, Karen's cousin, and then Tosin, my friend in the UK, who is also from Nigeria. But before that, we're just going to talk about what we usually talk about during civil episodes, kind of giving you guys an update on our lives, how we've been, the election, just everything. So, Carrie, do you want to start? Life update right now, I guess all I can say is that I'm just surviving. I know that election day kind of already went by and there's just been a whole lot of talk and commotion within that realm of my life. But right now, I only have five weeks left of this semester. And every week, I either have an account and or, sorry, and or an accounting or a finance exam. So I've just been trying to prepare for that. And that's not even including my other GE courses, where I have two big projects and three mini projects to do within these next five weeks. So I'm just praying and hoping for the best. But how are you, Ozzy? How's this time for you? Me? Uh, this past week was actually quite good. I finally started doing well in my parasitology class, and I feel like I finally understood how to study for it. So that was that was that's going well. French, my classes are going well, thank God. You know, it really took me some time to get into the groove. I had to withdraw from a class, but I feel like things are settling just in time for the finals and wrapping up this semester. But that's going well. Um, the election really lifted a, a like a heavy weight off my shoulders. Um, while we definitely have some work to do, I'm excited to see where we go. Uh, I'm going to DC this coming weekend, and I'm super excited about that. Excited to, you know, go back to, I don't know if I would call it my home, but I'm just excited to be back. And then I've been getting more active. I've been doing Pilates more consistent, more consistently, rather. And I'm quite enjoying it. I like it, and I can definitely, definitely feel a difference. But 
that's that's me right now can't complain oh my faith journey is going really well right now actually i feel like i finally figured out my schedule and my routine when it comes to learning more about god and my time with god and i just want to perfect it well not really, nothing is ever perfect but i just really want to make sure that it's stable and good but that's it for me yeah, can't complain. All right, so we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in and stay tuned as we start off this episode with our first conversation with Janice. Really quick, let me mention hashtag and starts in our conversation. Just to let you know that the actual shooting of the protesters was October 20th rather than 10th. I kept saying 10th, but that was incorrect. Uh, we real- I realized that we read our dates wrong, so I switched it. But yeah, that's all. Okay, so I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Janice. So we figured that it'd be a really interesting topic to talk about um, being black in a predominantly black country and kind of just deal with how our interactions with the police are different than or probably in some way, shape or form kind of the same when it comes to uh black people that live in predominantly white countries so i want to thank you for joining us and being willing to share your experiences and your overall knowledge with us thank you for having me nikki oh wait yeah you can, yeah it's fine don't worry it's fine so janice is my cousin she's joining us again so that's a nickname only my family calls me by <laughs> but for people who um who don't really who are not really aware of the situation going on from where you are, Janice, what would you say is going on in the Bahamas? Basically, when it comes to police brutality, I can actually, I'll give you an example of a situation that happened just recently in Exuma, one of the islands in the Bahamas. So a guy, he got shot by a, a police officer that was not on duty and he actually died on scene. And in the video, they actually captured a video of it and he was saying in the video that can you take me to the hospital? Don't let me die here. And the guy ended up dying. So basically the reason he got shot was because he had a gram or two grams of weed with him. And as you know, weed is illegal in the Bahamas. And I guess they are trying to legalize hemp right now. I'm not really sure what's the status on that, but two grams of weed, your life, I feel like that just doesn't add up. So is this a new problem or has this problem always kind of been here? Um, This problem has always been here. A lot of guys are actually scared of the police. Like, I feel like females and males have different views on the police here in the Bahamas. Like, we females get away with a lot. Well, not really get away with a lot. The police let us kind of do whatever because we are females. But they're more, like, harder on the males because they, they just suspect them to be doing something bad just because they are a male. Like, it doesn't really even matter. That's that's really interesting when you talk about it, too, because one of my friends, one of my close friends, his brother had a run-in with the police earlier this year, actually, and it was so, it was such a weird situation because he was just at a party, and a lot of us, we tend to just go to parties and, like, and just enjoy our time and have fun. And during the time when he was there, he got pulled over like he got pulled to the side by the police and then the police kind of just started talking to him some type of way you know like how 
they like to kind of talk to people in a condescending tone. I've never actually got spoken to by the police in the Bahamas in a condescending tone because of the way I talk. Right. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen like the same way for men in our country. Back to the story. He was at a party and then at the end of it, all he did was like ask him why is he randomly searching him? Why is he randomly picking on him? And the police ended up actually like punching him, actually full on like attacking him. He came back home with like a bruised face, like swollen face. And they then and then like they then took him to court and said that he was like attacking police officers. So it's kind of like it's a really weird thing that goes on, too, in our country when men like I don't know like it's probably my bad. I should probably learn more about the laws, but they tend to use a lot of uh, like brutal force. Yeah, I feel like it's mainly because the I know the police knows that there's a lot of Bahamians that don't know their rights. First of all, which I don't know all of my rights here in the Bahamas, but I do know that a police cannot touch me with force if I'm not doing anything to them. You know what I mean? And obviously, they're going to try and switch it when they go to courts or if they take you to the court they're going to try and flip it on you but you just have, need to have at least enough evidence to show but most people if you get stopped in a car and you're in the car by yourself and it's just you this one guy and let's not say let's say you have dark tints because you know that that's a problem here in the bahamas as lord well. they love pulling over people for dark yeah tents. so mainly like if you're getting pulled over in the bahamas it's for a few reasons either you don't have a seatbelt on you have dark tints in your car. Your car is um, the license is expired. Uh, you don't. You're not riding with your papers, your insurance. Um, what else? You're speeding, or if you just look suspicious. And then the type of car you're driving as well. They tend to pull over people that drive Hondas, <laughs> mainly Hondas. Yeah. So I oh, feel specifically like specifically Hondas. Yeah, specifically yeah, Hondas. Hondas are targeted. <laughs> I I remember when I was younger, I I wanted my first car to be a Honda because I really like them because they're really popular in the Bahamas. But then my dad was like, oh, like you shouldn't get that car. Like people steal that car a lot and you can get robbed and stuff like that because that's actually a thing here. Like Hondas are like, I don't know. There's just so much negativity around it. We need to talk to the head of Honda and let them know, like, you got to do something about this. And yes, seriously, even Ozzy, Ozzy, don't you remember when you first came to the Bahamas to visit me and we went out with my friend in their car? Like no reason whatsoever. Yes, we got pulled over. I literally just remembered that. (laughs) They specifically targeted our car. Yeah, your friend, I think they said that he matched the description or his car rather matched the description of a car involved in a there's robbery n- there's or something. There's no, there, that's, they tend, they pull things out of the air. That was they, crazy. I don't dude. even know. And then they searched the car <laughs> for nothing. And they searched the car for nothing. Yeah, but I feel like over here, police, they just have this certain stigma over black men. Because a lot of guys that I know personally are really afraid of the police. Like, even if they just have one interaction, it's like they have to rough them up and show that they are superior and they're the power. But it's just like you're abusing your power. Like, you can talk to people in a civil manner and still get your point across. You know what I mean? It's honestly a power play. Right, exactly. You can't tell someone to, oh, do this better and do that 
but you're doing you're saying it in such a condescending way or like they're really in the wrong like no like just tell them to put their seatbelt on like yes you may have to give them a ticket but you don't have to be a d-i-c-k about it you know what i mean so especially with this whole incident with exuma may he rest in peace what do you think people want from the police from the government what do you think people are kind of wanting for well i think people want less corruption from the police force definitely because like i say they abuse their power a lot and they and then a lot of people feel like well once i join the police force then i can pretty much do anything i can say whatever you know what i mean i can be any type of way to civilians but that's not how it is like you're hired to protect and serve like that's what you're supposed to do but for the incident in exuma he wasn't protecting the man at all even after he shot him like I don't know if you've seen the video, Karen, but I have, I think, I know someone who has the video, but in the video, the police officer is literally just standing over the guy as he's bleeding out. Like, he's not even applying pressure to the wound or anything. Like, even trying to, like, help him stay alive a little bit longer. Because, you know, in Exuma, they don't really have a main hospital. So he had to get airlifted to the Bahamas, and he died before getting airlifted. I mean, that's all. With that, like, how... Are people fighting back or would you say are people fighting back at all? I mean, the police officer, he did go to court and he did get charged for manslaughter. So I guess compared to the U.S., that is progress for us. I know. And I also heard about random instances, too, where more of a power play where police use their powers. I remember there was a chan when like the police went up to someone's house and he kind of like walked in and was like he knocked on the door and was like, I have to search the house. And they asked him for the warrant. And he said, and I quote, I am the warrant. And he walked in. And then in the end, in the end, he stole their money and just left. Yeah, that happens a lot, actually, um, where police, like, even if they do a drug bust, they would go on the scene, obviously, probably beat the guys or whatever take them in handcuffs, and then they would steal some of the product and only report uh, the other half of the product. And um, another thing I want to touch on is how you can actually pay off police officers here in the Bahamas. So basically, I remember I was driving with my friend one time, and I can't remember remember exactly why we got pulled over. It was probably because of seatbelt, tents, or something of that sort. And the police literally said, if you get me a six-pack cold click, bear you guys can go freely we're talking about mental health in this season of the podcast right now and i was just wondering has how has your mental health been after watching that video or after kind of living through what you're living through right now in the bahamas um my mental health my mental health honestly when it comes to things like that I kind of feel a little enraged a bit just because I feel like people shouldn't be getting shot over by the weed. And I feel like a gram or two of weed is really nothing that can kill you. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people that smoke weed. There's a lot of white people that smoke weed that probably aren't walking out on the roads. And and even if a police did catch them with the same thing, they probably wouldn't even have the same response to it like the first thing he would not think about is to pull out his gun like why are you even pulling out your gun like first of all like that just that's what has me mind blown because it's like you're off duty 
and you see a guy with a little bag of weed and you decide to pull out your gun for the first response, like, you could just tell him to give you the weed. You know what I mean? Like, it's that simple. Or you get a charge. Yeah, because I really didn't understand how that was perceived as a threat. So much of a threat you had to shoot them. Right. I feel like if someone comes and like charges at you or like make make a hidden movement towards you or anything of that sort then yeah you might can use a little bit of force but like pulling up your gun for a bag of weed that is extreme like that just shows how how these police abuse their power and they don't really care like they just feel like okay well i have a gun and you don't basically that's what that's all i got from it like i have a gun and you don't even though i'm off duty i still have a gun with that, I just want to ask you our last question. Okay, so what have you learned about this whole experience? And I guess, what do you think us as a people can do to help make it better for like generations to come? I've learned that maybe we need to become more knowledgeable on our rights as civilians here in the Bahamas. Because I feel like not only me and you, but there's a lot of other people that don't know their rights unless you study law, probably. I've also learned that we kind of have to almost figure out a way to deal with these police officers. You know what I mean? Like, it's sad to say that because it's just like they should know how to deal with civilians in the right way, but obviously they don't. So we as not even just females like men too but mainly men they need to learn how to deal with police officers in a way like not just talking to them but like even your actions your mannerisms and stuff like that because anything I feel like police take as a threat even if it's not a threat like even if you just have locks that's a threat to police and I feel like maybe I don't think petitions work over here and well, we've been having a lot of protests um, recently. I don't know if you've seen the videos from the protests that we had. They actually had a protest again today. Where uh, We have protests? Yeah, we do. Surprisingly. Where? <laughs> where have I been? Is it on Twitter? Like, I don't even follow Bahamian Twitter that hard. I I'm not going to lie. But yeah, they have them downtown in Rawson Square. So they had one today. It wasn't about police brutality, but... And during the protest, a lawyer lady, she was there speaking her rights. And the senior police officer, it was a woman as well, she started to um, basically yuck up the lady. When I say yuck up, I just mean grab. That's like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grab the lady on her arm, but you cannot touch someone unless they are causing physical harm. And we're supposed to be social distancing in any which way. So I don't know why that police officer felt the need to even touch this lady. So that may be on the news um, probably one of these days this week, actually. Probably tonight. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about these issues that are currently going on in our country. Yeah, I've been seeing there's uh, NSARS. I don't really know too much about it, but I know that it's a lot of police brutality going on over there. Can you tell me a little bit more? I don't even know like where to even begin with that. It was created as an anti-robbery squad. So there was um, there was a lot of back in the day. I think it was in like the 1980s, but someone can correct me. Um, there was a lot of uh, robberies and kidnappings, so they were. They were formed to help fix that. But as the years continued on, as 
people change, you know, technology, people, you know, the youth are becoming, the youth population is increasing and things like that. What happens now is that, especially for the men, if you look, if you're young and you look good, if you look like, you know, you're making money, you drive a nice car, you you have some cool hair, you have dreads, they will automatically stop you thinking that, you know, you're doing fraud, you're doing 419, which is basically fraud. Um, and they'll stop you and most times they ask you, well, not even ask you, but they demand money from you, they extort you. Worst cases, they beat you up, they harass you, almost, probably kill you too. There's been a lot of deaths. Um, and it's just, there's so many other cases, but that's like the standard, but it's just crazy. And I feel like, um, in Nigeria, people really got angry. I think someone died or a couple people passed away and that kind of sparked the revolt. And it was going really strong until the 10th of October, where the military shot into a group of, of protesters all over Nigeria. And it's kind of quieted down, but I think because of the whole U.S. election and just everything happening, it's picking back up a little bit, which I'm happy about. But yeah, that's what that's what's happening in the short run. Oh wow, that's insane! I guess that's that just goes back to corruption again, like in both of our countries, in Nigeria and here in the Bahamas. Like these police are hired, like I said, to protect and serve, but here they are, you know, demanding other things. All right, guys, we are back on the UNI podcast, and I have, or we have rather, a very special person, my friend, Tosin, and we brought you on, Tosin, because this is the last episode of our mental health series file, and when it comes to mental health, I know personally that my mental health has just plummeted after this um, hashtag NSARS and everything going on with that, so we thought that we would try and see if there's a connection when it comes to things like that, when it comes to protesting and social change and then your mental health. Um, yeah. So from where you are right now, what is going on in Nigeria? Could you help explain it if you can? Wow. Heavy question. Um, hello, you and I podcast listeners. What is going on in Nigeria right now is like, I wouldn't say it's new to the country because um, a lot of our parents have said that they went through the exact same thing. I would like to apologise for the fireworks, by the way. People in London are crazy. Um, right now, people are just trying to re-strategize and re-energise following the whole of October, which was filled with protests, um, both online and offline. <sighs> Unfortunately, a lot of the protests were met with violent responses from the government and their military personnel. So a lot of lives were lost. A lot of lives are still being lost. A lot of people are still missing. And even someone that got footage of a senator leaving his car to kill protesters as he was trying to leave the area, that person that took the video evidence was killed in police custody so it's kind of crazy that there's just so much violence happening when people are simply asking for the right to live and live freely basically what do you think is different between you talked about you know this being this has been happening since our parents times and things like that so what do you think is different between this time right now and maybe still our parents time 
100% social media. Um, it's very bittersweet because even though we do get first-hand access to all this information and they didn't have that, um, it's also first-hand access to a lot of trauma. So um, that's the main difference because we get to know right that second, oh, this person needs an ambulance at this place. But then in their time, someone would have had to like run to wherever their headquarters was and all that. So social media is definitely a major help when it came to the whole NSARS movement. And I know there was a lot of, during the the week of October 10th, we talked about, you know, what we specifically wanted at the time, I think from a large group of protests as it was three for three and then it turned to five for five. So within those differences, what do you think people want and what is it what do you think it takes to achieve? Right now, the main thing a lot of people are advocating for, I'd say, is accountability and an end to impunity and an end to bad governance because um a lot of people are laughing at the meme of Patrick Mr. Patrick Obahiabon saying um, 50 years after independence, we're still talking about zoning. Like, the guy that was like, Nigeria still wallows. But, like, when you deep it, Nigeria is actually wallowing. It's been 60 years of independence, but we're not independent. They chased, supposedly chased colonizers away to just take the exact same reins the colonizers were holding. Like, they're still treating their people like slaves, if that makes sense. And it's very unfair to people that could be tech designers or even fashion designers or just have freedom to live the way they wanted to live since they were born you know how are people fighting back or are they and how would you say like you are involved in this movement right now right now um i can only speak for lagos unfortunately because i don't really know much about what's going on in any other state but right now, the people in Lagos are actually speaking about going back out there to protest physically because the lockdown that they've been on has been lifted because they were on like a curfew that no one was meant to be out until after 8 p.m. But now it's midnight, which makes no difference because the protest would wrap up by then anyway. So they're thinking about going out there. They're also recalling people that are in the Senate, forgive me, House of Assembly, and they are complaining that you do not represent our district, that we do not want you representing us in the house. So they're calling individuals out. And I feel like that's being successful because these people have never been challenged, nor did they think they'd be challenged when they were accepting this role. They thought it'd just be, oh, let me get my foot in some government money. And now they're being shook up that, oh my God, you guys want me to work? Like, I wasn't expecting that. So I think that's good. But then me being a part of that, I'm so sorry. I just, I feel like I'm just a normal person um, that's like just not in the country, but I feel like I should be doing something for the country. So like in London, um, which is where I am, anytime there's a protest, I either go there or like get my friends to go there if I can't make it because there's really strength in numbers. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's the way I'm involved. And I'm online like all the time. I feel like, especially when it comes to our government, that people entered, honestly, for jokes. Like, they thought they could, they noticed that, you know, in the government, you know, you can make money by technically ripping off our the citizens. But now people are kind of 
seeing well not even seeing because i feel like we've all been seeing but i i don't know i feel like it's really hard for me to explain what changed but maybe people got fed up us celebrating our how old are we now 60 i don't even know anymore but (laughs) um you know celebrating our 60 and i think we've honestly gotten worse than where we were at any point i think this is probably the lowest especially with our economy and I could honestly go on. This is just. <laughs> Do you know I could what's just, crazy? I could... <laughs> like today, um, they were asking. The government was asking Brazil for a loan. I was like, Brazil. I saw Brazil. Like, it's not embarrassing. We... Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I was like, yo, do we have zeros? Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. And when you said like people were tired of celebrating independence i feel like obviously because the nsars movement started like 2017 2016 Mm -hmm. but it's from when people were saying what are we actually celebrating on october 1st that the underground i was gonna say insurgencies because of my freaking degree but like the underground groups were like yo this is actually like what are we actually celebrating let's gather some guys go to the streets and ask them what we are actually celebrating and that's where i feel like it started which is kind of cool so you said that your parents also had a similar fight back whenever they were young um but i want to know exactly if anything has shifted from their times during their protests to how things are now and was it a positive shift or is it still kind of the exact same and nothing really happened from their fight back then? Um, I love my parents and all, but I'm not going to give them credit because I don't think they were at the protests in their time. Like, those people are scared. But <laughs> now, at least they're trying to stay on top of everything that's happening and they're actually aware. Um, so what they were saying for their times that it was like two weeks of constant um protesting from the actual citizens then obviously the military got sent in then as well but they gave up at that point they were like oh we've lost so many people everyone's feeling discouraged and that was literally it and then that's why they keep saying that oh look at you guys back where we are the cycle continues but the difference is we are on social media talking to each other like okay just because we're not in the street physically doesn't mean we can stop like people have been writing letters to the ICC They've been writing letters to the UN, even though I don't think the UN does anything. UN is trash. Exactly. UN is trash. It's just a pretty title. You have it's no actually actual a fact. work going on for you. Even the African Union. I could go on for days about... No. Um, so I've realized that the UN, nothing but trash. Um, but yeah. Your question about differences within our parents' generation and ours, I think from what I'm seeing is that we are making deliberate steps to not make it tribal because when we make it tribal, things really can get bad. Like that's how the whole civil war in Nigeria happened was through tribal, tribal um, disagreements and things like that. And one group backing another group and another group not backing another group. And I think even sometimes I have to be checking my dad. I have to quiet my voice. I got to be checking my dad because he likes to make it tribal. And I'm like, you know, can we not do this? Can we make it more so of a more one Nigerian type of mentality? Because honestly, tribal stuff never gets us anywhere. But that's a whole topic. That's a whole 
Uh, it's a whole topic, but another um, difference is that um our parents had leaders for their movements, and I feel like that was obviously they didn't know any better. But when you have leaders, and then the government's like, okay, who are your leaders? Let's discuss with your leaders in a room. Like, I want to be in the room where it happens. That kind of vibe. But when they find out who the leaders are, they kill them, and that's exactly what happened in their time. All their leaders were hung, except one, I think, if I remember correctly. I'm so sorry if this is factually incorrect. But, like, this time around, we didn't have any leaders, and that's where the government is very frustrated because they don't have any scapegoats to, like, bully out of anything. So that was one part where they did well. One of the many parts where they did well. Tying it back to mental health, I wanted to get your kind of get a check in from you. How has your mental health been during this whole? I know I can see your face. Sorry if you can't see your face, because actually you can't you can't see your face. But how <laughs> how has your mental health been? Be honest with us. It's okay. Be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I hmm. I do not know. Like someone was asking me oh you know why you'll pick me up when you're feeling down they don't work anymore like I'm literally just going day by day I'm floating by um at the same time though I feel like my mental health is kind of stronger in the sense that maybe that's just the trauma talking though I was gonna say in the sense that like little things don't get me anymore but maybe it's because I'm over traumatized that little things literally don't phase me but i don't know man i'm still here so that's like a good thing i would say i know you said that your little pick-me-ups don't really work anymore but is there anything that you do on a daily to just get you through the day what have you been doing to get you through the day um so (laughs) i i kind of do a little a little dance in the mirror in the morning mostly twerking because it's just fun and then I'm like whoo okay and then I sit on my bed do everything I have to do for the day and then if I'm feeling a little bit down I like to watch old stuff so maybe that's a raven or some teen wolf just something old that I already know the ending so that I'm not like shook or anything um and also a lot of interviews I love watching interviews especially um Dylan O'Brien interviews or Daniel Kaluuya interviews just anything with like funny people they really make me laugh so that's something I do after October 20th it seems as if people really had to sit and rethink what do you think what do you think happened the morning of the 20th I got news that um someone in my family had passed right so I was already like yo this is about to be a heavy day then around four o'clock I went on Twitter and I was like, people are getting shot, like, at Lecky Colgate. And the day just got heavier <laughs> and it just got worse. I'm laughing now, but that day, I was like, I'm not even going to cry. I'm not even going to cry. I'm not even going to cry. And then I watched the video of the guy that was singing the national anthem while they were shooting towards his direction. Trigger warning, I'm so sorry. And he literally, you could hear in his voice the fear. And I was like everything is going s-h-i-t i don't know if you guys you know swear yeah, on this his podcast. voice was cracking it was ozzy already swore so you're good yeah everything was going to shit that day and i was like is there even a way out you know in all those war movies where they're like in the trenches and they're all covered in shit and mud and leaves and they're just like should i even move because if i move a bullet's gonna hit me that's what 
God forgive me, because there were actually people in the crossfires there, and I was at home in London, so I feel really privileged, but I was like, is there a way out? Is there even a point of trying to find a way out? Because everywhere in the world was just looking like absolute shit, except New Zealand, shout out to them, because I don't know what's in their water, because they're actually thriving right now, like, shout out to them. Isn't their leader a female? Isn't it, like, the only country... In the world, whose leader is a female? Bro, shout out to I them. might need to move to New Zealand, to be honest. Do they like black people over there? Mm, that's a little bit racist. See, that's the know, question I gotta be asking. See, this is our last. I know, like that is that ultimately is what this episode is about, like being black everywhere. <laughs> Even being black in your own home country is crazy. That's crazy. Being African black in a predominantly black country African. and still being in a bro, bro, mind blown. I don't know what to say right now. Okay, mute. Um. Anyway, but I want to ask you, what do you think is next after October twentieth? What What do you see happening? What is next? That's a heavy question. I feel like, um, because we're all young. No one's exactly 100% sure, but we do know that it's about firstly getting rid of this rockety foundation that calls themselves a government and then building a proper one. And that would consist of, oh, you know, Nigeria, they love panels. They just love having people on a panel to discuss as if they don't know what we already want. But even if, what are we actually talking about? What what do you want to know? It's just enjoy lunch. It's to get the budget. budget to make food. You get. But anyway, <laughs> um, I feel like if there needs to be a panel, the panel has to be properly represented and diverse. And not just the panel, that should also stretch into the House of Assembly, then into the government. Because really and truly, APC and PDP, they're the same. If you ask me, two parties share the same colours, just one is an umbrella, one's a broom. All household items. There is no difference when it comes to the people that are actually in it. There's one senator that was APC for two years and then swapped to PDP for six years. Like, it doesn't matter. Once you're in government, like, bank, you're in there. Someone's been in the government for 20 years. How is that possible? Someone's been born, is now in uni, and you're still in the same job. It's, it's like Buhari too now. My dad, my dad literally couldn't leave the U.S., he couldn't leave Nigeria, rather, to go to the U.S. for education, for education, because apparently he closed the borders. Oh, no, he didn't allow visas. He didn't allow um, visas so people can get education. Like, make it make sense. And it's not the same president right now. So, like, it's things like that. They like to recycle fair. the same people. It's like that tweet that um, three generations of Kutis are fighting the same man. Do you know how deep that is? From when the first woman to lead a women's only protest in the market was alive she was protesting against buhari her son protested against buhari her grandson her great like it's just crazy how this man is still alive so for our last question what have you learned about this whole experience and what will you work on as you guys continue this necessary fight listen this is like this isn't even just about nigeria this is for all black people there's one guy i don't remember his name i really should though one african person of influence that said the day nigeria wakes up is the day africa will change and africa will be shaken from its roots and i feel like if africa is shaken from its roots black people everywhere 
will literally rise up because there's no way that you can see Africa like doing what it's doing and you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm in the US. Like it's not my business. It's not my problem. It's gonna be your problem. But what has changed, yo? Respectability politics has died to me. I am so sorry. Like just because you, you are a sorry? governor. I don't need to be I'm, sorry. No, like my mom's friends with some people. And she'll be like, oh, you have to respect. I'm like, no, he is my public servant, yo. If he's, he's moving weird, right. if he's moving raggedy, I'm going to tell him he's moving raggedy. I'm going to write him. I'm going to call him. I'm going to tell him, sis, or rather, bro. Do you get She was like, she saw my tweet because I was like, um, to the Edo governor, his name is like Godwin Obaski. I was like, bro, you're messing up. She was like, you can't call him, bro. His name is Governor. I was like, say less. Bro, you're moving raggedy. <laughs> and she was like, this child of mine. I was like, we are actually respecting people just because of age, which makes absolutely no sense. If you can sit in your Nigerian home and be cussing out Trump, who's definitely double your age, why can't I do the same for someone that's in my backyard? If he's moving left, I'm going to tell him he's moving left. Respect busy politics is one of the things that died for me. Um, you only get respect if you give it and if you deserve it. Um, another thing is literally to value my peers even more. Because like, obviously before I was rocking with my own friends, but like people aren't even my friends. Like I still like see what they're doing. And I'm like, yo, you have so much potential. Never give up. Like I compliment strangers like crazy now. Some people don't reply me and it's okay. <laughs> But now I feel like you need to encourage your age mates and people around you because you don't know if there's someone older than them saying, oh, no, this isn't a good job. Like, this isn't a good plan for your future. You're one in a million chances of succeeding. I'm not going to come through, blah, blah, blah. I feel like you just need to um, lift your people up. That's what I have learned from this. Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the United Thank you for having me. We're definitely going to have you on again. For something else. For real? Yo. I'm going to be a regular. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry for all the accents no, to your okay. listeners. I fluctuate. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Get um, used to it. I'll be back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the UNI podcast. If you love this episode as much as we did, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also, check out our show notes for all of our links, including our Cheers to Better You guide and workbook. New episodes drop every week on Monday. We can't wait to hang out with you again. We'll talk soon. Bye.